Hey everyone, welcome to the Style Defines Us podcast. Today we are here with Dahlia Salsamendi, who worked at Ford Models and Next Management before founding her company, Dahlia Salsamendi Inc. She has worked with most of the biggest influencers in the business, Danielle Bernstein, Ariel Charnas, Kiara Ferrani, Chriselle Lim, to name a you. She is the host of her podcast called The Realization Podcast. She recently got married, moved to Spain, and does all sorts of other things. She is a very busy girl, and we are super pumped to have her on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. It's such an honor to be speaking to you both and um, for being on your podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So let's start right in. Did you always want to work in fashion? Where did you get your start? So I don't think every, anyone has ever asked me if I always want to work in fashion. Um, no, I, uh, I've never, even to this day, I've never considered, considered myself a fashionable girl. Um, I think I was, was a little bit quirky and that worked for my advantage. And I think people found that fashionable, um, but not at all. No, um, I was always drawn into the entertainment business. So I think that's where, um, my love for, you know, the bigger sense of, you know, fashion and entertainment came into play. Um, and you know, where I got my start with fashion was just diving right in into Ford models. I mean, everything that preluded that um, in my life, whether it be on stage or in TV or, you know, commercials and in also working in public relations definitely helped uh, everything that I'm doing now. But my first star, like fashion that I, you know, when someone asked me, Oh, where do you, what do you, what do you do? And I look at fashion was uh, back, uh, back at Ford models in Los Angeles in 2010. Oh my goodness. And we, yes. And we love that you also have a very strong relationship with your mother who has the exact same name as you. And she was, she has had a fabulous career. So it was nice that you could look up to her and then also she kind of helped you get your start. Totally. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning my mom. She, I, I said this prior to, to the, to the, to the cameras rolling, but I, I want to get <laughs> to an interview that she always asked about you both because you both left such an impression on her when we met in Art Basel uh, two years ago. But definitely my mom um, has always worked in TV with Telemundo and Univision, which are the two biggest TV networks in the United States respectively. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I remember her picking me up from school and I would be doing homework on the floor watching the daily news being taped like 10 feet away from me. You know, I was, I was on set. Uh, she did PR for most of her life. And I, you know, I, I, I grew up in this industry. I think it's, you know, and having my mom by my side and Julie, I think you can relate to it as well. It keeps your feet on the ground. You know, I, it, it keeps the ego in check when you have a really sound parent to kind of oversee everything, especially at such a young age. Right. Yes. Oh, definitely. Especially when you're young. I always think about yeah. stars and everything. This didn't, none of this started until I was already after had graduated college. So it is interesting thinking about that too. So tell us about when you were working at these modeling agencies, what was it like to be representing them? And then maybe also work us through how you really took a stand to say that you feel like the influencers are going to be big and we also need to be paying attention to them. Yeah. I started Ford in 2010. So figured this was 
pre-Instagram or maybe Instagram had just started, we were starting to see the start of, um, of, of bloggers. And I mean, I still call them bloggers. I don't call them influencers. Um, just my mouth has been trained through so many years. <laughs> but what was interesting at Ford was I really got my start in the industry like OG, you know, I, I, I'm very OG. I know how to make a book. I knew what photos to put in, 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 in a model's book to make it look nice, which if you think about it, that's kind of the same thing as Instagram, right? You're arranging photos in a particular order, giving a particular message and saying a particular story. And it was no different, uh, you know, quote unquote, back in the day, I, I would have to like call up photographers and set them up with the models and do quote unquote test shoots. And it was, you know, we would talk to Ralph Lauren and Tommy Hilfiger and get these models in with them and I remember towards 2012 the president of Ford at the time Paulette had flown in from New York and I requested a meeting I mean mind you I was I was a junior agent and I was you know I was like why are you asking for a meeting with the president I'm like because I know what's next and they're like okay Dahlia and I I told her I go we're gonna start an influencer we're gonna start a blogger division and I'm gonna run it and she was like, what? And I realized like, she just like, it was like a 747 going through her head because it was so number one, it was so new. And I mean, not only was my vision new, but also I was new in the industry, you know, who was this little 20 something year old telling us what to do. Um, and it wasn't long after that I landed at next. And I think that's where everything took off. By the time I got to next, um, you know, one of my best friends and one of my mentors, Jennifer Powell had already an incredible roster like Lumi Neely and Kiara Ferragni and Danielle Bernstein already at next. It was very, very small. And I started seeing what that meant to this industry. So the phone calls that were happening at that moment, you know, especially with brands like Guess, was, you know, you want to book a model and, hey, do you also want to book Rumi, you know, and she'll post something on Instagram. And it was a really cool conversation because we were making it up as, as we went. And from there, I moved to New York City and ended up running the talent division. And that was it was it was just, it, even though it sounds very short you know I'm like yeah and then this happened and it was mm-hmm. it was a snowball effect but while it was happening it definitely didn't feel that way I mean it was it was a slow process in the sense of we really had to introduce brands to to these bloggers and show their monetary value in this industry and you know that these yeah, the moment these, these girls were in their young, early 20s, I mean, I think Danielle was like 19 at the time, you know, that these girls have not only a say in the fashion industry, but also a place like they're not going anywhere. We're just starting. Right. And I think it was really powerful to have those conversations when people didn't understand it. I mean, I remember I booked Kiara Ferragni in her I think it was like 12 Cosmopolitan covers and she did like a six page spread in U.S. Cosmo. And it was a whole debate, you know, should she do it? Should she not do it? And, you know, trying to get Cosmo on board and this and that. And these are all the behind the scenes. It looks simple. And, you know, she'll post on, you know, like you see it on the wall and it, it looks like it, it was such a simple process, but it really wasn't like, um, but it was, it was fun. I mean, it still is fun, but it's really cool to look back and be like, yes, you know, I was part of that. That's so cool. Oh, so cool. So incredible. Cool. It really is incredible. So tell us, how did you get the courage from working in corporate to taking the leap and starting your own company? 
I think the courage came from that I knew that I didn't want to be a manager. <laughs> you know, it's just as simple as that. I think I had a lot more to give, which meant strategizing, um, which meant really getting in and having heart to hearts with influencers and also having heart to heart with brands. I think there's a stigma, there's a scarlet letter that hangs above your head when you work for an agency, no matter how great the agency may be or however great the agent may be these influencers and these brands need a sounding board. And I realized that a lot of them didn't have it, or a lot of them didn't know the ABCs of this industry or didn't understand like what if your agent or your manager says something, why were they saying that? You know, agents and managers, I mean, 90% of them, if you have a good one, they're not twiddling their thumbs trying to run the world. They're literally sitting behind a desk 14 hours a day trying to make you millions of dollars. That's a very hard <laughs> business. Um, and it's also sometimes a very ungrateful business. You know, you, you, you pick up a lot of the, um, the negativity from both sides. And I knew that I wanted with my own company to just bring a lot more heart and a lot more transparency and a lot more honesty into the business. And, and you know, understand that I, I don't want to be a shark. I don't want to be a pit bull. Could I be? Sure. Do I have to be? Yeah, sometimes I do. Absolutely. Um, sometimes you have to stay very firm in your ethics and in your morals and you have to say no to clients. And sometimes that does have to be in a very firm manner so that they understand. But that doesn't mean you have to be unprofessional and it doesn't mean you have, need to be unkind. So once I got that rolling in my head, I honestly just had a heart to heart with Faith Cates, uh, the founder of Next. And I sat down in her office in New York and I told her, literally the truth. I mean, I'm like, I'm not out to start my own agency. I'm not going to be your competition. This is what I'm thinking. Like, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And I really came to her, you know, from woman to woman and just get her advice. And her response was absolutely. She's like, the door's always open. You know, she's like, the worst that can happen is that you come back to us. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I knew that that was, once I had her blessing and every, you know, my colleagues around me that just were genuinely excited for the next step of my journey. You know, I think everybody built up on that courage and it was, it was really powerful. Like I could still, like, I still get goosebumps talking about I it. Cause I, I think it was such a, just yeah. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. It, yeah. I left in really good terms with them. I mean, I'm next month I'm going to go see them in New York. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool. Wonderful. Well, and that's something maybe to talk about for fashion careers, thinking about leaving when you leave a company that is probably inevitable. It's going to happen at some point. Maybe talk through that, especially like you left to go to another agency. What if like if someone left Barney's and went to Bergdorf's, how can you handle yeah. that? Because that can be such, such an uncomfortable situation. I, it's a total uncomfortable situation, but at the end of the day, I'm a very firm believer that you have to be honest and you have to be just a good person about it. When I left Ford at Next, I mean, mm -hmm. I loved working at Ford. It was an incredible company. Um, you know, I love my colleagues. I remember the, the pressure that they put on me to stay and to stay. And something my gut told me, well, you got to leave. And there wasn't anything that they did, but I remember sitting down with them and saying, I'm, I'm leaving, you know, and this doesn't have nothing to do with money. And this has, it just, it's the next chapter. And, and I never did them wrong. You know, I never did next wrong. And I think when people leave, number one, I, I find systematically within six months, especially the younger generation, they get tired or they think they need a bigger position and this and that. 
And it's like, slow down, dude, you know, like put in your years, like you have to show your personality and you need to show your work ethic before you make any big move. Because if you get to know me as a human being and you know that I'm never going to screw you over, like I, you know, if it comes down to our relationship or a paycheck, I'm going to choose our relationship. Like keep the paycheck, you know, the universe will pay me back in in another time. It's, It's okay. What I can't sacrifice is relationships because this world, this fashion industry is so, so small. It's so small. And the second that you sell your soul, I mean, that's it. You're done for. Mm-hmm. And you, you fall down a really dark rabbit hole where you're going to get jaded. Um, you know, you, people will jade you and you're going to end up jading yourself and others in the process. And that's, I think that's where it becomes harmful. And I think that's where, you know, I think the younger generation can, can take note or kind of, you know, keep their eyes open that when you're ready to leave, do so in a very noble fashion, you know, keep your, keep your head up, uh, but be humble, you know, and, and, and above all, be grateful for the opportunity. Don't leave thinking that you're better than the company. Absolutely not. You know, leave as in you contributed something and now you're going to contribute something else elsewhere. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. Super important. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So I know that you were one of the first, you got to speak on the first women's wear daily influencer panel. How did that go? Yeah, it was great. It was so much fun. Um, I was, when I got the news, I was shocked. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, <laughs> um, it, it was weird because I, it, this is, you know, it, and we're starting the year. So I'm sure you guys do this too. You sit down and you put your goals for, the new year. One of my goals for 2019 was WWD. I'm like, I don't care what it is. I just, you know, I, I want, I want to speak on this platform, whether it's in an interview or in a conference or whatever it is. I have so much respect for WWD as a publication that, you know, I said, okay, it's time. I've, I've been doing this for almost 10 years. Like how, how have I not been part of this? And, um, and I said, no, this is the year. Like, I'm going to team up with one of the best and it's going to happen. And when I got the news, I think it was like in April, I was like, oh, wow. I'm like, that universe worked quickly. And, um, and what was so exciting with WWD is like, they are such a cool company. You know, I expected like, I don't know why, like this lofty like people or whatever. When I got there, like, my God, Sophia Chabot and Quinacciani, like just really sweet and hardworking girls that are very, very educated in the industry, putting out information that anyone can read and understand the industry so much better. Whether you're in this industry or not, you get something from reading WWD. So being part of that panel was, was so cool. I was so honored. That's oh my gosh. wonderful. Congratulations. Yes. That is incredible. Thank you. And tell us, this has been interesting for me too, coming from Barney's and now having our own company. Tell us about the differences that you've noticed from working in corporate and then, you know, going to the office every day and seeing people and then versus now having your own company. Oh my gosh, it's so hard. And especially like now that I'm in, I'm in Europe more, I'm like in a room by myself. Like it's so, <laughs> I am I'm so social. I'm the girl that like, no matter where I worked, you know, I would, you know, it would be like 4:45, and I would like tell like 
it, like everywhere I worked, it'd be like, okay, so happy hour today. And then like on Tuesday, okay, so happy hour today. And Wednesday, so happy hour today. Um, I've always been very regimented. I, I, believe, I, I work very well with a schedule. So that didn't change. Um, you know, I still, for example, I still wake up at the same time when I'm in Europe, even though there's USA timeframe. I still work the same amount of hours. Uh, it, it, nothing changed in that point. I think for me, the biggest difference was the social aspect of an office because I really do I do believe in camaraderie and I've had just the incredible chance or luck really to work with people that I love and that I respect it's in, in every area of my career so letting that go was uh, was difficult but you know the juice is worth the squeeze per se right yeah and you have a ton that you are working on, which is so exciting. So I'm wondering, how do you manage it all, especially with the time zone difference? I definitely experience this when I'm trying to schedule calls with people in Australia and India. I think mm -hmm. time zones are fascinating. And also, like, how do you structure your day so that you kind of mimic maybe the office situation? Yeah, great question. Uh, I'm a little OCD when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to management and, and calendaring everything. Mm -hmm. I take about four or five calls a day. So figure if New York wakes up at mm, 2 p.m. my time, which is 8 a.m. EST, you know, I, it, most clients in New York will take a call at 8 a.m., right? So I'll take, first of all, my, my Eastern Standard, and then I'll take my Pacific um, my Pacificers, whatever you, Pacific Coast or time people. Um, so I literally work by time zone. If I have European clients, they'll probably get the 10 a.m. call. So it's really plotting out the days like that. And when I first moved to Europe, I was working until literally midnight and 1 a.m. And the anxiety, because I have clinical anxiety, was just not 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 conducive to my work and not conducive to my life. So I, I started cutting that down. And now I stopped working at 7. Okay. And something that that taught me is that even though it's 10 a.m. L.A. time and 1 p.m. New York time, is that there's there has to be a healthy boundary when it comes to working relationships. Number one, number two is obviously having that radical transparency with clients. I'm in Europe, you know, so for example, somebody that I'm working on a huge job right now and the client asked if I can take a last minute call today and I'm literally back to back with calls until 8:30 PM. And I said, no. Mm -hmm. And she was shocked. She's like, Adali. And I'm like, I can't like, I, I have to stick to, something that is healthy for my for my mental health right. if not I'm going to be fried and if you don't respect that then maybe we shouldn't be working together because at the end of the day this is we're in the fashion industry I mean if we do our jobs correctly we're not curing cancer and the second that we take let our egos take control I think that's that's where it becomes dangerous both with mental health and also you know with the ego just running the show um, so I think my luck or my situation is a little different that I'm, I'm a, a little bit more seasoned per se in the industry. So I think when, when, when a client hears that Idalia says no, it's probably for a reason. Um, but anyone starting off, I, it's, I don't know. It's hard, man. It's, 
it's hard. I, I probably would not ever recommend what I'm doing for someone starting off or for someone that's been in the industry for two or four years. I mean, it took me a decade to be able to not only live, but move around so much. I'm, I'm on a plane every 12 days. So at the same time, you kind of never know where I am. And, um, you know, I've worked up my, my resume and I've worked up my, you know, my business to allow that. Um, it, it, it was a methodical way of, of working within the past couple of years to get to this point. Well, and it's great, I think, for younger people or people that are newer to any, any industry to understand if you don't take care of your mental health, if you don't take care of your relationships. I mean, you're a newlywed, too. You know, you do have other things besides this one thing. And if you don't take care, if you are someone prone to anxiety, I am, too. If you're that way, mm-hmm. you're going to set yourself up for failure if you don't know. You know, I need enough sleep. I need time to shut things off. Um, anytime you get overextended, you know, you're just putting yourself in a spiral. So that's something for, for someone newer to the game. I think that's great advice to go ahead and, you know, it's, it, you don't have to run your life like the house is on fire. You know, you have to have calmness and routine that you can, um, set up. Yeah. And I, and I, I say this in a really calm way and, and you are too. And, and from personal experience, this is, this is a daily, it's a daily struggle. I wake up every day or, you know, when I put, when I close the computer every night at 7 PM, my husband always says to me, he's like, are you sure? Yeah. And I look at him and I go, I have to be, I, I, I have to be sure. Right. You know, I also have the blessing and, you know, the, I, I work with people that I love. So, you know, if I, I keep people on CC, so if at any point I need to rest, somebody else can jump into the conversation and kind of hold it. But for the most part, it's just, it's really respecting people's boundaries. And I think what I've learned along the way, you know, especially with my mental health journey is it's a two way road. You know, I also can't get mad if someone can't take a call for me, you know, mm-hmm. where before, you know, 24 year old Idalia would get mad. She'd be right. like, what do you mean? And now I'm like, cool, dude. Awesome. Like you let me know when you're ready to chill and talk and I'm here. You know, I, it, it's a two way road. It's a very, cause we're, we're very quick to ask things of ourselves and very quick to point the finger, especially I am. Yes. yes and if yes. anything has taught me, it's just like, okay, those fingers need to be pointing at you and you know, treat others as, as you want to be treated. Very, very good advice. Yes. And then what about productivity tips, especially like if you have a set work day, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., you may or may not work mm-hmm. on weekends. For me, when I open email or open Instagram to do one thing, then I get distracted and can't even remember what I was supposed to do. And I want yeah. smarter, not harder. So we always love to hear entrepreneurs productivity tips great question again my rule of thumb is again going back to my OCD I calendar everything Delia I cut I calendar everything I calendar when I'm going to post on Instagram I calendar when I'm going to have my consulting calls I calendar when literally I'm going to put the expenses of the month into my spreadsheet to send to my accountant I calendar when I'm going to record an intro or outro of a podcast. I calendar when it's email time. You know, I calendar when Christelle is going to get her niche or when Alexandra Pereira is going to get her niche. And I don't, I don't sway from that. So if I do get caught up with Instagram, 
I always have the calendar in front of me and that's where, and that's where it just, it, it, it takes me throughout the entire day and going backwards is, well, I have to set up, okay, well, what are my daily, uh, what are my daily responsibilities? Well, recording this podcast with both you wonderful ladies, that's, that's a daily goal, right? That's not a, that's not a, that's not a 10 year goal. So I plan out my daily goals and I plan out my yearly goals and I plan out my five-year goals. So maybe one of my, I'll give you a perfect example. My Q1 goals is I'm now working on New York Fashion Week. Well, I need to know that I need to send out five emails. Mm -hmm. So along with my daily goal of being on your podcast, I need to send out these asks for these clients and for myself. And maybe Q1 goals, I need, I want to be in two interviews. Okay. Well, I'm going to send out 10 pitches. And then from there, I'll send out one pitch on Monday, two pitches on Tuesday, and I'll put that in my calendar. Um, you know, you, I, I always try to balance the, the daily goals as well as the long-term goals, goals, because if we get too caught up in just trying to stay above water, like our head above water, we're missing on the bigger picture of our company. And that was one of my biggest um, red flags when I started my company was I was just trying to get through the day. And then a year passed, and I'm like, whoa, I did nothing proactive. So, and then the second year, I'm like, no, I'm going to do a podcast. And then I, you know, I scheduled Tuesday, 10 a.m. I'm going to speak to this person. And that person led me to this person. And then I got my sound engineer. And then I did this. And, I, and that, that for me was, was a huge game changer in productivity when we're thinking bigger picture. So do you sit down like Sunday afternoon and kind of set this all up for the week? I set it up as it goes. So for example, right now I'm, I want to do a new business kit, right? I have it in my calendar tomorrow from 10 to, from 10 to one, I'm going to literally take three hours and write. Sure. And then Monday, same time, I'm going to review and write some more. And then I already emailed my web designer that they're going to have a preview by Wednesday. Sure. And then I literally put in my calendar preview Wednesday, 9am. So I keep, I keep myself accountable and I also always email someone to keep me accountable as well. Um, whether they know it or not, like my web designer probably has no idea that this conversation is going on, <laughs> but just emailing someone saying, Hey, expect an email on Wednesday. Like email me if you don't get it. Right. You know, it's, it's, it, 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 it takes the pressure off me a little, but it also puts the pressure on that I, I have to deliver. Um, and that works personally. That works very well for me. Okay. That's great. That is great. Social media is a hot mess. What the heck is going on and what do you see <laughs> as the future? <laughs> You're so funny. I don't, I, I'm going to, I'm going to deter a little here. I don't think it's a hot mess. I think okay. that, I think our brains have become a hot mess um, trying to detangle, uh, for lack of better, better verbs, detangle our perception of it. I think it's actually, it's, it's, it's very powerful. Um, it, it's moving the needle in the industry and not just ours, but every industry or mostly every industry. Um, it's, it's definitely a great monetary value when we look at the consumer market. I think it's, I think the responsibility is on us to not be a hot mess mm -hmm. um, and to not let, not let ourselves get carried away with social media. So what do I see for the future is, I hope and a big part of my, my company is using social media for good. Um, you know, it's not about, I, I say this quote every single time, but it's for a reason. It's not about just posting your newest Prada bag, even though great, if you're going to do it awesome. I mean, I, I, I personally do it, so I can't be a hypocrite, but you cannot just be about the material things. 
And I think that's where we think the, you know, or at least where that's where I take the quote unquote hot mess situation. Mm-hmm. I think there has to be a balance within everybody that's using social media to really I mean, focus on something that's more than yourself. Because if we're just going to be using social media, you know, to post about our lid injections and our new butts and <laughs> our new Balenciaga shoes, yes. that's, that's, you know, like YOLO do you by no means am I hating, Yeah. but I'm pretty sure you're more than just your butt. Like I'm right. pretty sure. Like I really, really hope that you're more than your Balenciaga <laughs> shoes. And if not, then keep posting your shoes. But I have tremendous faith in, in humanity that there's, there's something else going on there. And that also needs that, that needs to be shown. And that's going to be reflected also on how, how brands work with influencers. You know, I, I worked with Christy Ferrari for a bit and a very good friend of mine and she's she's a licensed psychologist i mean she worked in john hopkins and i i told her go christy you have to show you have to show more than just your outfits you're a really smart person and you're like you're a psychologist and when you go on her instagram now it's all dr c you know and i i and, and i love that she took that idea and she ran with it and she made it her own and she's getting partnerships where she talks about psychology and the psychology of fashion. I think that's so cool. Oh, that's so cool. everybody has their little niche. Um, you know, when we take both of you, you're the mother daughter duo. Yes. You guys love fashion. Yes. You know, you're very, you're very worldly. You're very well-traveled, but what's, what's the niche? Well, there's an authentic love between two women, mother and daughter, and you're showing the world how beautiful and how conducive a mother-daughter relationship can be, even in the fashion industry. I mean, that's really cool. So it's finding that 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 inner voice and using it as brightly and as 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 powerfully as we can, and you know, to deconstruct that hot mess syndrome. Right. Right. And I think young influencers are always saying, "Well, I'll never be able to catch up. I'll never be able to have those numbers." And I, do you think the huge numbers are as important as they were in the the past or what would you tell people like that numbers are always going to sell i mean it it just it is what it is however 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 that is not that that's not going to get your foot in the door Mm -hmm. it's it's just not i know girls that have over seven hundred thousand followers that cannot get invited into a new york fashion week show Mm -hmm. and my meanwhile i'm like 20 something and i'm sitting front row and i've been sitting front row since 10k why well because i've worked my ass off right why because i've taken those meetings why because when it's that person's birthday or the designer's birthday or the publicist i genuinely call them to say happy birthday and it's not me asking of anything it's just me understanding that this you know and especially like this is an industry ran by women like we got to support one another and not just be on the lookout to feed our personal self-interest. Um, so even though numbers are, I, you know, they, they, if anybody says numbers are not important, I would call them a liar. But is it a necessity? Is it the vein of your existence? No, your relationships are. The same way, you know, if we want to put a parallel analysis to it is to money. You can be a millionaire, you could have a million followers, but if you don't have relationships in your life that are valuable to you, then are you a happy person? I don't know. Maybe not. I, Interesting. Same thing with Instagram. You can have a million followers, but if you don't have those genuine relationships with the publicists and the brand reps and the designers and the editors and everybody that runs the shows and the managers and the agents, are you successful in the industry? 
Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. And then in today's ever-changing landscape, what do you think is a good approach to digital marketing? Listening to your audience. I mean, that is just like hands down, didn't even need to bat an eyelash. The best approach to digital marketing, we're, li we're living in a world where the consumer is driving sales, the consumer is driving content. Definitely, you know, keep the authenticity within yourself. But when we're talking about um, marketing, you know, and then that's, I'm talking more of the brand side or, you know, influencers that are selling product, listen, mm -hmm. don't assume, listen, listen, your audience will always tell you what they want in the sense of how, how they purchase. You know, when we look at consumer behavior, purchase behavior in the marketing world, it's, it's pretty obvious. You know, if you're getting a million swipe ups, but only, you know, five clicks when you do a link in your bio, when, well, your digital marketing, you're going to head towards more your swipe ups. If your blog is working better than your Instagram stories and head more towards your blog, um, it's really looking at those metrics and it's, it's science. You know, just to keep your ears and eyes open and also ask, ask your audience what, whether you're a brand or whether you are an influencer, ask what they want. Um, I think Danielle Bernstein is, is a phenomenal example of that when it comes to not only her personal we were what, but also her, her clothing line. She's constantly asking, do you like this color, this color? Do you want this? And guess what? When the product goes live, it sells out and it really does sell out with a good number of SKUs because guess what? Her audience was part of the journey. You know, they kind of, you know, quote unquote, co-designed it. And I think that she's, she's really got that. She's, she's got that on lock. And if everybody could take a note from her book with that, I think, um, you know, I think it, it would be really cool to see what would happen with everyone. I remember when you were interviewing her for the podcast and she said she had been getting messages like, I want the old Danielle or something like that. So then she, you know, kind of came back and rerouted some things and tried to not, you know, go away from who people wanted her to be. Yeah. I mean, if you know Danielle, she's, she's a very strong personality. Um, she is, she's just a powerhouse in and of herself. She's very clear on, on who she is and what she wants. Mm -hmm. I think the ego steps back when she knows that her business can't thrive or, you know, will not thrive as successfully if she doesn't listen. Sure. And that's where like, she really, the ego does check out and she's just, okay, well, what do you want? And what do you want? And what do you want? And what do you want? Awesome. Okay. So, and, and she works that without selling herself out. I mean, she's still Danielle and she's people, people that know her know she's very Danielle. And I say that in the most positive way, but I love that she could take that and also be like, okay, but what, what does that mean for my evolution? And what does that mean for my audience? Yeah. It's really cool. It's really cool. Yes, I think so too. And then they're loyal in return. Yeah, exactly. Such a loyal following. Oh my God, that girl sells. <laughs> <laughs> She's a seller. <laughs> so tell us about the news sources that you read. What are your go-tos? Uh, definitely. I, I, I mean, when it comes to fashion, WWD, um, Daily Front Row, uh, I read, um, I read a lot of Vogue. Uh, I, I try to, no matter where I am in the world, I try to pick up a magazine and just see what's going on. If it's in French, I will take me a month to read it, but I'll read it in Spanish. I, I buy, I buy here in Spain and I read it in Spanish, English the same way. Um, I read a lot of Forbes. I read a lot of Harvard uh, business journals. Um, 
this is more online. You know, when it comes to politics, I try to, I read CNN, I read Fox, I read CBS. I try to read as many different opinions as possible in order to understand uh, where everybody is coming from when it comes to bigger world issues um, and not just be stuck in one particular party or one particular point of view. So even though I may not particularly agree with a news source, I want to understand why they're writing that. Because if they're writing that, then they, they think that what's going on is positive. Well, why is it positive? And, you know, and it, it, it keeps my mind very open uh, with conversations and it keeps the mind open that you can't judge a book by its cover, um, you know, both in the political field and in the fashion world as well. Mm-hmm. Those are great. And I think all three of us are aware of and are living out our purpose in life. And for those people who maybe haven't figured out what their purpose is, how do you think they could go about that? I don't, I don't think I have my purpose figured out. I mean, I know my purpose is I want to help people, but I don't know what that means. I just happened to land in fashion. And then I, I remember telling my mom, like, well, how do I help people in fashion? Like, this is the most <laughs> egocentric. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. Fashion is a lot of women. Fashion, I'm, I'm really close with influencers. Influencers have a lot of power. Influencers have you know, money coming in, well, how about we start donating part of it to an organization that we believe in? Or how about we get them involved with a charity and we start doing some work and start spreading a good word? Um, purpose comes and evolves constantly. And I, I, I hope my purpose keeps evolving and keeps growing because that means that I'm growing as a human being as well. I think innately we all know what our purpose is, whether or not we can define it is a different story or whether or not we can fine tune it is something else. I read an article the other day and I forgot what it was, but it basically said you don't have to work your purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think that was so interesting because I'm somebody that I always had to work for my purpose, but I also find that it's okay if you don't. Um, We also live in a world where social media, where we're showing our highlight reel, right? We're, you know, oh my gosh, and this and that. And most of us live a nine to six day job. And that's great. That keeps everything flowing. That keeps order. That keeps the money coming in. That keeps stability. There's nothing wrong about that. I actually admire that more than I think people realize. And maybe your purpose is going home and feeding your three kids. I think that's a tremendous purpose in your life. Um, I think your purpose can be that you have a part-time job that you may not like, but it keeps your head afloat. And then on the Sundays, you volunteer at an animal shelter. You know, as long as you realize what you can give back to the world, and no matter how small that may be, if you let that be your guiding line, and not in an economical sense, but in a soul-fulfilling sense, and you keep building on that, um, I think you're on the right track, especially for a younger person listening to this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about five top tips for someone who is an influencer new to the space? Ooh, number one, uh, you got to have a niche. I know like people hate hearing it and authenticity, but do you? That's like number one. Please don't be a carbon copy of Kim Kardashian. I think she's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I know she's a very hardworking woman. I personally love and follow her. I'm not out to be the next Kim Kardashian. It's fine. Um, Be you you know, take influence, but be yourself. Number two, definitely own a website. 
um, you do, I think what influencers don't understand is that they don't own Instagram. <laughs> if Instagram decides to just like not work tomorrow, you may lose your entire business. So have a, a website and by website, I mean, you can have a blog or you can do what I do. I have a proper website. So whatever that means to you, make sure that you actually own a domain. You own something, um, in, you know, the W the World Wide web, whatever that may be. Um, I think that's, that's a huge advice. Number three is, um, don't put all your eggs in a basket. You know, TikTok is blowing up right now. So while you're working on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or your blog, you know, make sure that you're constantly rotating your, um, your content around and that you're staying fresh and that you have your finger on the pulse. Um, I think that was three or four. Um, and you know, I, I forgot what number I am, but I'll leave it at this tip. Focus on relationships. So, you know, if you're an influencer starting on the space, don't immediately start diving in asking for money. Please, for the love of Jesus, please don't do this. Um, I It's happened with me before where I'm like on the other side and people with 15,000 followers like, well, I, I don't get gifted. I only, I, I'll only post if I get paid. I'm like, okay, well, number one, bitch, I'm not asking you to post. And number two, I'm like, who are you? <laughs> what, do you what do you mean? Like, Huh? Uh, so keep your e keep the ego in check. Keep the ego in check and know that you know you keep the ego in check. You gotta roll up your sleeves and do some work before you start asking for things. Keep it in check forever. Even when you when you yeah, keep, keep it in check. Always <laughs> keep it in check. Keep it in check. Do you feel like you have to have something go viral in order to make a name for yourself these days? Everybody thinks if they can just get one thing that will go viral, then they're, you know, one and done, then they're, they, they've made it. Sure. I mean, if you want to go to Texas and dig for oil your entire life and hope that you like land on a mine, like go for it, you know, like, sure. You may spend 30 years of your life not getting anything or tomorrow you may be a zillionaire. Mm -hmm. It's the same analysis. So no, I don't think going viral. I think, I think that's a product of what we're seeing in, in a very, um, in, in, in a society that's very, we're driven by immediate satisfaction and immediate gratification. I think that's where the slippery slope lies. And in order for something to make a name for yourself, you have to, you need to be around a while. You know, even when we look at influencers, you know, no matter how young they are, they've probably been doing this for six or seven years. Like kudos for them because they've, they've worked hard for it. And no matter where you are in the industry, I mean, you could be your first year, your second year, and, and you may be doing phenomenally well. Keep that up. So in order to make a name for yourself these days, yeah, I mean, you could strike gold, you could strike oil. But if you don't want to be a flash in the pan, right. you, you really just have to be consistent. Um, whether it's in the, the brand, you know, your, the branding of yourself, like who are you, what's your niche, what are you showing, um, your messaging. Um, and everything from how you answer emails, how quickly you answer emails, how quickly do you post when a client asks you something? How quickly do you give the previews? How quickly are you, you know, being proactive and showing brands that you're doing things organically for them? You know, consistency is huge in order to really, really make a name for yourself in, in, in this industry. That's great, 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 great advice. All of it. And yeah. tell us how you work with brands like Valentino and Chopar. 
Both of them are phenomenal companies I've had the honor and pleasure of working with. Chopard, um, yeah, I've been with them for, I think, two years now, running the, their U.S. strategy with everything social media. So I've set up their influencer campaigns, and that's been really fun because I love the internal Chopard team, and I love the influencers that we work with. So it's 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 just fun. Like, there's nothing short than fun than working with Alejandra and Becky, and, like, it's cool. Like, I, I get my friends get to meet my other friends, and then my friends work together, and mm-hmm. or I have an idea, and seeing it come to life is is really cool or me having an idea and producing a campaign and seeing how, for example, Chris Lim or, you know, Lainey Hedaya can take my vision of what should be shot and just elevate it to a level I never thought it could be. And presenting that to, to Shepard is, is really cool. With Valentino's, it was great because uh, we did, I think their, their spike bag they launched in New York City as well as um, some holiday campaigns. And I teamed up with uh, Sync Studios. So we used Christelle's uh, video team and my strategy and we came together and produced these beautiful things for Valentino for their social media. And that was really cool because you know, you're working directly with like Pier Piallo and, 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 you know, getting his idea of what should be and, you know, having your vision and having your strategy be used from some sort of advertising for such a luxurious and prestigious house as Valentino, you know, as stressful as it was at the time. And, you know, it's, 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 it's hard. Like the pressure is all, I mean, if, if you tour Valentino, like, Oh my God, I was sweating. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't, my career can't be over. Um, but again, it's setting yourself up with the right team. And I, you know, when that video came and, and they wanted these assets, I'm like, okay, Chris, we gotta, let's, let's do sync studios. Let's do this. We can like, let's, let's team up. And it was great. And again, working with my friends at Valentino and working with Chriselle's team at Sync Studios, that was, it was, it's friends connecting with friends. Um, and the end result, everybody was thrilled. So it was a really cool experience. That just sounds like magnificent, magnificent experience. Um, will you tell us about the, the website and your the new things that you have on your website, what you're offering? Yeah. Yeah. I love this question. No one has ever asked me this either. Um, so um, <laughs> the big thing with my company is I, I, I say I want to inspire, inform, empower, right? Uh-huh. I want to make information accessible. If there's something that I realized working in the agency world is that these top influencers had all the information that they probably needed if they asked their agent or their manager or, you know, the, and anyone starting off, well, how do you get that information? So when I started my industry, when I started my company, rather, it was very, it was crucial for me to make sure that there was different tiers of information being allowed. Obviously, I need to pay rent, so I can't say everything for free. But what could I say or how could I help for free? How can I reach a bigger audience? So what does my website offer? Well, it offers the different tiers. So the tier number one is my podcast, Realization Podcast. Let's say you want to work with me, but at this moment you can't afford it. That's okay. Listen to my podcast. Twice a month I'm going to be interviewing really cool people with really vital things for for you to grow your industry. And what's really, really interesting is that if you listen and you kind of do what I tell you, like like 99.9% chance it's going to help you. And it's not coming from a place of ego that like I know everything. 
But when, and just like this podcast, like when you have an, when you have a conversation with someone and, and you bring different people to the table, you keep learning per episode. I learn something new every day, every episode. And that's awesome. awesome. So point one is, is free. That's, that's the podcast. Point two is my business kit. And these are things that when I sat down, I said, okay, if, if I were new to this industry, what would I want someone to teach me? Well, I want someone to teach me how do I make a media kit or wait, what's a media kit? I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's influencer one-on-one. Okay. Well then I took literally two months to perfect a media kit that's universal and you get an audio guide and you get a worksheet and you have a to-do list. You know, I, I, I make, I make you responsible for what you purchase. So, you know, for 120 bucks, you literally, if you sent out that media kit and you follow the advice I tell you, I mean, you should make your ROI in a week. I mean, hopefully, right? You know, my, everything that I do is ROI-based, return on investment, mm-hmm. um, essential emailing kit. How do you email people correctly? How do you pitch yourself correctly? The algorithm kit, well, how do you get ahead of Instagram's algorithm? The field of deal kits, okay, well, when, an, when a brand emails you, how do you actually seal it? Are they gifting you? Are they paying you? How much should you charge? What's going these are all information that if you have a manager and you have a good manager, great, they'll take care of it for you. But 90% or more of the influencer world does not have that guidance. So, you know, I'll sell it. I'll give it to you. And, you know, the third is my consulting, my business strategy, which comes through word of mouth. And there's a background information about my website there as well and how you can contact me for, for that. So it's, it's different tiers because I really want to make information accessible. And I want everybody to feel included when they come to me. You know, I, that, that's, that, that was huge for me. That's, that's huge. I mean, that is so, there's so many questions. Everybody's Googling everything all the time. How much should I charge? How do I I begin? All of those questions. Yeah. Really put it together. So they have the answers. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. And also like when you Google something, like you don't know who, like who's writing that. I mean, there's sometimes I I Google things and it's, you know, what was it that I found the other day? It was a strategist for influencers, and the girl I think was like 19 years old, had never, never, I mean, literally fresh out of college, and she had this website up, and how she said, like, I mean, it was just, I mean, good for her. I mean, I wish I had the balls at that age to do that. (laughs) She had me like, literally, I'm like, I don't know whether to love her or to be confused, but I, I, I didn't both. I was like, maybe if I had that balls at 19 instead of 35 but but somebody that's really looking for seasoned information I mean I think it's safe to say I'm the only seasoned agent manager out there at this moment doing this you know and and my experience what I write doesn't come from well I have a successful Instagram you know I have a million followers so I'm going to teach you how to make a million followers well no I, I my experience comes from a slew of influencers and what do they all have in common and what was what was the common sort of their success story that's where my kids come in with you too i mean so many people would want to work with you and either they don't have the money or you don't have the time but you want to help them anyway yeah. so you created all of this i would think to to you know to help people i think that's wonderful bingo 
finger. Next thing I wanted to ask real quickly is, you know, today's world, especially those of us that, you know, can suffer from anxiety, the yeah. so crazy and so many angry sort of berserk people and everything's very uncertain. And so how do you stay calm and positive? Well, first of all, thank you for thinking I stay calm. <laughs> and positive. <laughs> <laughs> My husband will get a laugh out of that one. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I've, I've gotten a lot more calm. Um, I think age has made me a lot more calm. Mm -hmm. What keeps me positive is my family. That's, it's, you know, I, I say this so often, but my nieces and nephews, mm -hmm. when I'm around them, you know, they're, they're like between three and six. That having that fresh energy, having an unjaded view of the world, um, even though they can get cranky as as we all do, but especially as children, I, I stay positive that way because I know that you know if I can help these kids, you know, say please and thank you more often, or if I can tell them, hey, don't drink out of a plastic water bottle, or hey, pick up the trash, you know. Um, you know, I think if we kind of look towards the future mm -hmm. and think to ourselves, well, how can we make a difference? That's, I think that's where the positivity is. And also listening to positive news. I think a lot of the times we, uh, the news unfortunately has a, a systematic approach of constantly sharing bad news, but how many people are planting trees? Right. You know, how many people are going out there in the ocean and picking up water bottles? How many people are... You know, as it, it, what's going on right now in Australia is absolutely devastating. Right. Well, worth the positivity? I mean, if any, is that go on Instagram and see how many people are donating. Right. How many people are, are speaking up more for climate change because of this? I mean, it's an unfortunate circumstance and by no means should it be necessary. But in, in our today's grim world, sure. we're also being a lot more vocal on how to change things for the better. Mm -hmm. And not taking a back seat, I think, is very important into staying positive. Is okay. Well, besides donating, what else could I do? Well, you know, when I go to the beach, I'm going to promise, and this is my personal vow, that I'm going to pick up at least ten pieces of trash. And people can laugh at that. And I've been ridiculed, like, okay, Dahlia, you're going to change. And go, no, but shit, if I at least get this word out, maybe next time you go to the beach, you pick up ten pieces. And when you go, you pick up ten pieces. Imagine if everybody, every time they went out, they picked up ten pieces of plastic from the from the street or from the beach. Sure. The, the world would be clean, I think. Yeah. So staying positive is, is, is number one for me, children, and especially my nieces and nephews, and, and, and number two, being active, not, not being complacent in, in the way things are, but on how, how I can be positive to the world as well. Yeah. Doing something in a positive way rather than just sitting around. Bingo. You know, being on. Yeah, that's right. Running in the negative conversation. That's right. Yeah, and, and, and you, I mean, you just said it. Don't be part of the negative conversation. Anytime there's something negative, my mom laughs now. She's like, you just walk away. And I go, I just walk away. I used to see the negativity, and now I don't. It's okay. Like, I just, it, I, I may look a little strange, but if there's a negative conversation, I just smile and, like, yeah. kind of, like, dis disappear into the bushes like Homer Simpson, like that meme. I'm like, and I'm out. <laughs> I know sometimes someone on the other line, on the other end of the line, they'll be like, are you still there? <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm not participating uh -huh. in this conversation, but I'm here. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. And where can everyone find you? 
all around the world. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, my name is confusing, but if you remember it, that's your key to everything. Cause it's my Instagram, it's my website, it's my email. Uh, on Instagram, it's my name, Idalia Salsamendi, my website, Idalia Salsamendi, dot com i d a l i a s a l s a m e n d i and yeah i try to make it as easy as possible for people to find me yes that's so important these days i think and especially like maybe if your name isn't super unique find some way that you can be searchable that's something that i've really focused on too and i think that's important for people to know Totally. I mean, there has to be, I mean, my, the, but even if your name is, is common, that also can work to your advantage because for someone to remember Idalia Falsmendi and maybe spelling that may be a little difficult, but if your name is, you know, Jane Smith, <laughs> well, you know, if, if, if my name was Jane Smith, I would be milking that Jane Smith. I'll be like janesmithrocks.com. <laughs> like, so there's, you know, it's looking at the bright side of both things, but definitely feel like you have to have that, you know, that searchable quality about you. Well, I think with Delia and with Adelia, but your name is just so much fun to say. <laughs> yeah. Adelia Salts Mindy. It, it's so much fun to say. It's it, in people's minds. It, it's hard. It's hard. It's, it's, I mean, I've been called everything in my life. So now people are floating, starting to get it, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, I have to name check people quite often and then I feel bad. I was just at the last Create and Cultivate con conference and they, they totally butchered my name. Oh and then I got on the mic, I'm like, Idalia Salsamendi. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's always interesting because every time like someone grabs the mic or I, there's an intro, like I see like their palms shaking, their hands shaking, like sweat coming down there. Like, am I going to get this right? Um, it's like, but I'm used to it now. It's become it's it's become a name. We're like when I go to Starbucks, I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're gonna call me today. <laughs> yeah, goodness, you know how that is, don't you? Do? Yes. Well, you got it too. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. This was wonderful, and you provided such great information. Oh my gosh, the honor was all mine, and you know how much I admire you, ladies. And this was nothing short than a privilege to be on here with you guys so thank you from the bottom of my heart it really means a lot of course thank you if you like what you heard tell a friend about our show subscribe to our podcast and also scroll to the bottom and give a rating and or a review those are the best ways for other people to find out about our podcast see you next time bye